Welcome to the Highland Southern Baptist Podcast. Each week, Keith Perrin will deliver a Holy Spirit-inspired message. If you have a Bible, you can read along with us. Our mission is to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ from Hillsboro, Missouri to the rest of the world. Now, here's Pastor Keith. James, chapter 1. They've uh, there could have potentially been like three Jameses that wrote this book, but through some process of elimination, given the date of one of the Jameses martyrdom um, and the location of the other James, it pretty much leans really heavily that James, the half brother of Jesus, was the writer of this particular book. And uh, although it's universally applicable to individuals who are Christians, we got to understand at the time. Um, we're talking around mid-40s A.D., um, so we're talking 15 years after Jesus's, um, after Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. Uh, when you put it in that ty- type of a timeline, it, it gives you the ability to kind of be able to see um, the Apostle Paul was some 17 years before he really had a large influence with any of the other uh, apostles. So Paul hadn't even started his ministry yet. Gentiles believe, Gentile believers, I'm sure there were some. Um, but for the most part, the gospel was exposed to the Jew first. And there were a whole bunch of Jews who responded to that call. Um, so they became Christians. Um, this is somewhere around, there were some martyrdoms that were going on at the time. Um, the emperor who was in place at the time was heavily persecuting Christians, not the worst persecution they would ever see. Another 15 years, they would see, uh, uh, the worst one they've ever seen, but, uh, to be persecuted is no fun. So when the church was under that persecution, in the mid forties AD, um, some event, some people think it was the martyrdom of Philip. Um, some event triggered a mass exodus of the people who were Jews who had given their life to Christ. They all packed up, left their homes, and scattered. So, the precept of this book is, if anybody on the planet has reason to be happy, it's us. It's a Christian. If anybody on the planet has reason to be happy, it's us. There's literally no, there is no situation in life that we will confront that faith doesn't address. We're human. It still makes it hard. But I don't mean, how many times in your lifetime since you've been a believer in Jesus Christ have you walked through life as if you've been defeated? We're all in that boat, Right? And, and something happens with us as believers where it can be fear, um, lack of faith. It can be, um, to put it straight, trusting yourself more than you trust God. Um, a lot of things can cause these things to happen. It can cause the distance in the relationship with Jesus Christ that separates us from the realization of the fulfillment of every promise that he's made. We just had a couple of people that 
this church was close to who just passed away. They passed away from here, but they passed into somewhere else, right? And honestly, you can't help but smile a little bit when you say that. Even though, even though we miss them, even though we know that there are people who are hurt and who are going to miss them, you cannot say that without smiling. The one thing that the world cannot address. I mean, they go so far as to say, in, in, if you die in India um, and you're a Hindu, that you're going to come back as a cow. They literally, look this up, try me. They literally will stop the traffic on interstate highways because apparently it is very, very bad luck to hit a reincarnated cow, a reincarnated person who's reincarnated. Apparently it's bad luck. Most of them don't have an answer. Some of them give promises that, I mean, you see red flags all over that. 42 virgins? Sound like something God would give somebody? Not a present from God. Not 42 virgins. They all have it wrong. We have it right, and we have to be individuals who have that assurance that's always ready to jump up and grab whatever question we may have by the tail and pull it straight through the pits of hell where it deserves to be. Because that's really what he's after. Evangelism is important. Lifestyle evangelism is very important. I've allowed myself to be emotionally caught up in circumstances that didn't do me any favors, didn't do God any favors either. You ever snap at somebody when it wasn't their fault? Hold on to anger for days and days on end? For fear? I've said said to a whole bunch of people there was a couple of days there where I wasn't sure I was afraid I was going to have to drop her off the hospital and leave her and they've got higher death rates than people who stay home and I asked myself a couple of times over those days am I really okay with this When we question God, when we put more trust in ourselves than we do Him, it scatterbrains us. And not only do we do the one thing that I'm not saying shouldn't have been done, but doing the one thing with absolutely no regard for the gospel is another thing entirely. Because fear doesn't just make us run. What else does it make us do? Somebody's afraid somebody comes in the house. Little kid thinks there's a boogeyman under their bed. What do they usually do? They hide. Guess what you can't do while hidden? So James starts his letter off this way in, in uh, James chapter 1, starting with verse 1. James, a bondservant of God, then of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes who are dispersed abroad, Greetings. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. 
get to five, he kind of is going to tell the other side of the show, the other side of the story. But in these first um, four verses, he is pinning down. That Christianity is more of a mindset. And it all makes sense. I mean, if it's something that the Holy Spirit uh, draws us to, if it's something that we respond to in the Holy Spirit, then we're going to be in unison with what it is that God has in store for us. The book of Romans chapter 12 tells us not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. The renewing of the mind. Where do our thoughts come from? Where do they spring from? Good example. You're in an argument with your with your spouse. When we're arguing with each other, the first way for this to stop is for me to change the foundation on which I'm arguing in the first place. Now, if you can put on the foundation of that argument, I have to be right. Somebody, potentially more than one, are about to get hurt. If the foundation of that argument is love, that argument's going to look a whole lot different. I've gotten mad at people but couldn't stay mad at people because of the doctrine that says that we as individuals should trust God and trust his path and his course. He knows the big picture. He knows so much we don't. Not only is it unwise to disagree with God, but it's unwise to not even desire his input. And if we trust the things that he says, then it literally addresses, as I said earlier, every circumstance in life. You see the process in here. Look at two through five again. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. In other words... What are trials an opportunity for? Learning. Learning. The conflict is not unusual. The conflict is natural. The Apostle Paul talked about the the battle that was warring in his members between the flesh and the spirit. It's a very real thing. But if we look at problems as just problems, and we don't look at ways to change ourselves in ways to change the result of whatever it is that we've done, then we're teachable individuals. And those hardest words for us as men to say, I was wrong. We do not choke that up very well. The second one of the things I love you. I like making some dudes uncomfortable. Hey, love you. Life is so much more than what we make it. Because we allow the dark side of things to determine our outlook. 
if we're looking at things from the perspective of the scriptures, then we're seeing and learning through every one of these experiences. No secret. I've told this probably a hundred times since I've been here. When my dad died two months, me and God fought like enemies. Because I believe he's going to heal him. And I finally got down to, I believed you were going to heal him. I did. I'm like, that's not fair. Because I'm talking about here. And he's like, you wanted him here? Instead of where he was actually created to be? And I seriously heard Jesus go, that's weird. He's hard on me sometimes. But we get to choose the life that we're going to live. We get to choose the lives that we're going to reflect on other individuals, the way we're going to interject that life on other individuals. I mean, we have an opportunity for life to be something less mundane than just the same old, same old. We have the ability to be creative. I'm the, less, I'm the least creative guy on the planet. I mean, you sit down in front of a computer and tell me you want a flyer and what's in it or a brochure. I can do that stuff. Look, if we considered it all joy when our trials came upon us, is that weird? I mean, that's... To use a biblical term, peculiar. Right? Because we just don't do things. Like we did before we were Christians. We spend our lifetime learning the things to say, the right way to say them, the things to do, the right things to do. But then there was these other people. These other people, they were just afraid for their lives. You know there was that two groups of people. There was a group of people who would listen to this, learn from it, um, apply it to their lives. And then there would have been the individuals that said, no way. You know, I may have even saw arrest. I may have saw what they did to somebody. There is no way. And they're just, you ever meet anybody who's out of control? You ever find one of those circumstances in life where somebody was just completely out of control? Verse 5 says, But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Now he's speaking directly in context, directly in context to the trials. So it being directly in context with the trials, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. You know, one of the reasons the Bible tells us that we're supposed to be individuals who pray without ceasing is we literally bounce everything that we do off of God. If we're in a constant state of conversation with God throughout our day, you don't have to be on your knees with your hands clasped together. That's cute when we see kids do it, okay? God's not offended if you lay in your bed at night. Just close your eyes and talk to him. He's not offended. He doesn't mind... He doesn't mind if you talk to him when you're in the shower, in the bathroom. You can talk to him when you're cooking dinner. You can talk to him when you are when you are dealing with family. You can he, literally talk to him all the time. I, I believe wholeheartedly. I had um, 
there was a couple of Southern Baptist, black Southern Baptist churches that I went to that, um, great when you was on vacation for a while. It was one of the best places, just walk in the back door, slide into the back seat, stick out a sore thumb because everybody's excited and happy. And of course, you're sitting back there all more Baptist than Bapticostal. Um, but these people are excited, man. They, they're excited. Um, and, and you can tell the areas that those churches are in are low-income areas. These aren't people who have a lot of stuff. These are people who live in the neighborhoods where they don't know if they walk out their door, they're going to be shot or not. They don't know if they have kids, whether the kid's coming home that night. Imagine the way that a wife would think towards a police officer husband. Imagine you living in these neighborhoods where the death rate skyrockets. Do you think there are any, any of individuals who live in those areas have any reason to really express joy? They do have, really have reason to express joy. And it's because they kept the pinnacle of the pyramid where the pinnacle of the pyramid deserves to be. They didn't move it. We find ourselves in these circumstances in life, and all of us are different. It may take us a day, it may take us two days, it may take us a week. At some, at some particular point in the future, we're going to stop and go, that didn't work out too well. Then we become individuals who should be questioning our motives, questioning the question, and questioning its purpose. We should be going to God and saying, God, something just doesn't feel quite right about this. Like the 42 virgins thing. Some dude comes up to you and says, hey, convert to Islam. You get 42 virgins if you kill yourself. For Allah. And what amazes me, there are people out there going, okay, and signing up. We serve a God who wants to hear from us. It says in here, who gives to all men generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Ever hear a guarantee from God? He doesn't make very many guarantees. But this is one of them. He's not glorified by hiding his wisdom. Let's be honest. Any ignorance that we may have in God's word is not God's fault. When God gives us, gives to us generously and without reproach, meaning, I mean, if, has somebody come and asked you for so much stuff that it finally made you complain? Not to them, but inside you're kind of grumbling because somebody is constantly taking your salt or your eggs or your tools or this is saying you literally cannot ask God for too much generously and without him razzing you what in the world you do with all that sugar <laughs> he doesn't razz us and he promises that he'll give it to us so really all we have to do is say God my mind's pretty messed up right now my heart's beating in the wrong place. 
things just seem out of whack, just show me what I'm missing. When we get to the point where we realize that God will grant us the wisdom to give us a direction in life, life becomes a whole lot easier. As long as we're individuals who just are willing to test it, make sure it falls in, falls in, uh, play with his purpose and his plan, and do it. Verse 6 says, But let him ask in faith without any doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the, of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. Okay, I'm going to give you an opportunity to answer a question that's very easy to answer at this particular point in time. Is God capable of anything that he wants? Do you think that the things that happen in life are random, or do you think that he has foreseen them? No secrets. There's no secrets from him. I serve a God who loves people. That has to be the driving foundation. The love that was shown to us through Christ Jesus has to be the foundation by which we look at everything. But we also also have to look at everything in its context as well. We have to be individuals who know for a fact that the love of God, the power of God, the strength of God, the grace of God, the, the, the peace of God, the mercy of God, we have got to be 100% in on that. I don't serve a cool God. C-R-U-E-L. Didn't come out very well. I serve a cool God, not a cruel God. Don't serve a cruel God. There's nothing in the scripture that anybody could show me that makes me think that God does anything but love us. He's full of the love. He's shown it to us. He continues to show it to us. So if you go through something hard, and God's not a cruel God, then he must have had a purpose in it. Otherwise, there would be no valley for us. So ultimately, the question in every trial, in everything that we go through is this. Do you trust God? For the longest time, I I, I try to stop using the word believe when I'm sharing the gospel with somebody. Because the world has twisted that word believe so much. It's not do you believe in Jesus Christ. It's do you trust in Jesus Christ. We should be able to lay every one of our struggles and difficulties, at the very least, lay them down at the foot of Calvary. God doesn't ever allow us to be put in a place, and it says this later on in this chapter, he would never allow us to be put in a place where he hadn't provided a way out. The question is, Do we choose the ways that he's provided? 
Because one thing really makes no sense to me. If you were going to build a barn for the purpose of setting it on fire with you inside of it, would you put a door in? He's done the same thing for all of us, and he's done it all from that renewing of the mind, from the ability to be able to perceive things from God's perspective, to be able to see what it is that God's trying to accomplish in the global world, and to be individuals who know that as Christians, we're going to take part in that role, and sometimes it's going to get hard. Those hardships lead people to Christ. Is it worth it? Really, it is. Being a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways, means that somebody actually runs on two different train tracks. You might have met some of these people. The people who at some particular times during their day are one person and another particular time during their day they're somebody else entirely. Instability is someone who can be very loving and kind to his wife one day and very nasty and mean to his wife the next. Unstable is being able to count on somebody 50% of the time. Not only does the trials strengthen us through what we learn, but the trials also strengthen us through every circumstance that we come across. Because we get better at this. When it, when it started, and I've said before about the uh, when I used foul language when I was younger, Used it all the time. Brothers used it around the house too. Mom and dad go to Arkansas. It was a big cuss fest inside grandma, grandpa's house, mom and dad's house. And, um, conviction hit me after I trusted in Jesus, and I got to where I said it, and I'm sorry I said it. Probably done that a hundred times. Finally got to where I wasn't cussing anymore. And God goes, you still thinking it? He wasn't looking to clean up my mouth. He was looking to clean up my heart. So I was on that cycle again. Think a cuss word. Feel bad about it. Finally get to where you don't think a cuss word. I have mashed my thumb between a three-pound hammer and a concrete wall. To do, instantly knew that that nail was coming off. And looking back, I never even had a cuss word cross my mind. I called on the name of the Lord several times. These little processes in our life that we go through, these difficulties, these trials, as it's put here. Satan wants to drop those things in our lives so that we can easily become distracted. We become distracted about being a Christian. We become distracted about even what this call as a Christian really is supposed to be. We become distracted from God, and we become distracted from God's work. No doubt, we're going to have to figure out some new ways to do ministry, and we've been trying to figure out some new ways to do ministry. I had somebody ask me the other day, are we doing a harvest party? As far as I'm concerned, yes, we are. We'll see what everybody else thinks, but 
got to be the church. Being the church may cost you your life. You okay with that? The Bible starts getting real when things like coronavirus come out, right? Then our faith is really tested. Just what am I willing to sacrifice? Just how much am I absolutely sure that what God said is the truth? Just how important is it, in season and out of season, to proclaim the gospel that has the power to save souls? I'm not saying we shouldn't be responsible individuals, folks. There's, there are things that are going to be, there's going to be some signs hung on the building. There's going to be, uh, we'll keep providing masks in the back and hand sanitizer everywhere for people to use. And We're going to be reasonable. We're going to be careful. But if our reason and care prevents us from being a lighthouse on the hill in Missouri, Why would we even be here? Just a place for people to come visit friends? That's where these Jews are at. The ones who were unreasonable. They didn't have the ability to look at a circumstance to perceive that it was a difficulty and that while we're trying to care for each other, we're also trying to figure out ways to proclaim the gospel to those who are chasing us. Because if you want to go out in a blaze of glory, as is consistent with God, then you go out preaching his gospel message. Can anybody imagine a better way to go? To be martyred for Christ. Verse 11 says, For the sun rises with a scorching wind and withers the grass. As flowers fall off, the beauty of its appearance is destroyed. So too the rich man in the midst of his pursuits will fade away. Money, another distraction. The funny thing about rich people, they have problems too. In some cases, they may have more problems than you and I do. I just, I threw a little kid fit the other day. I was like, oh, I got to change the oil in the truck. Could you imagine owning five cars? The maintenance schedules, oil changes, tires. It's pretty penny for the tires I put on that truck. Imagine putting it on four of them. With money comes problems, period. And I know a lot of people who would say, you know what, I'll take them problems all day long. If somebody wanted to pay my house off, be nice. But especially in light of what we know that the church went through back in this day, do we really have it that bad? Somebody had asked a college student the other day, and it was it was really 
mesmerizing to me because it was kind of eye-opening to me. I guess it was something I just never thought about. Guy walks up to a young person and he says, are you better off than your grandma and grandpa? And of course, well, that's not important. Are you better off than your grandma and grandpa? Are you better off than your mom and dad? Nobody can look back the last 25 generations and say, life hasn't improved for us. I'm the hypocrite. And I use that word in a funny way, if there is any such way of using it. I grew up without air conditioning. And I can't stand when my air conditioning is not working. I go to fast food by myself, spend $10, and take 20 minutes in line. Man, that's aggravating. I wake up in the morning. Somebody's in the bathroom. We're going to get that third one put in someday. Oh, my internet don't work. Xbox Live's down. Occasionally we have to deal with the serious situations. Family and friends, loved ones who pass away. But is most of our life really about the big problems? What does it take exactly to distract you? distract you from the promises, to distract you from the life, to distract you from happiness, to distract you from peace. How bad does it have to be to be a distraction? Because it seems to me, in the United States, it doesn't have to be very big at all. Some people's faith can't take the weight of a feather before it breaks. He doesn't want us to be people who are stuck there. He wants us to know that these things like the material things and the money and all of these things that we want, we think that those things are going to satisfy us. We think that they're going to solve our problems. In my experience, 49 years of life, if you ain't got no trouble today, just keep your eyes peeled. Because there's some coming. We're always going to face these. Some of them are going to be way harder and way bigger than others. But it can't distract us from the purpose. It can't distract us from the plan. If we have to adapt, we have to adapt. The interesting thing about this particular passage of Scripture This is James, and if you read further into this, he talks about the difference between faith and works. He talks about the tongue being a fire. This entire book is about self-control. It's about, in some cases, the solution from God will be handed to us instantly. In some cases, we have to do a little work for it. And take a little bit longer. We should always be people who are on that cycle. 
quite a few years ago we had a youth rally here and we had to take two church vans so I don't know there was 20 maybe students and it was the final night was a lock-in at about 10 o'clock I loaded them up in the van I took them over to Sandy Baptist Church graveyard got out of the, got out of the vans sat down in the center of the graveyard and I asked them these two questions what do you think the people who were in those graves the day that they passed how important did you think every promise Jesus Christ made was to them there was probably some who had a good relationship with Jesus how many of you woke up this morning planning to die don't think about that I mean, if your eyes break open, you don't think about passing. But is it a very real possibility? So the second question was this. Of the people who are in this graveyard, who at some point in their life placed their trust in Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, If there was one thing they could isolate and say that they was glad that they had did in their entire life, what do you think it would be? It's giving their life to Jesus. Because by mentioning the one, you're actually talking about thousands of ways that a life was touched, that other lives were touched. All of it by the gospel. The encouragement of a text message, the encouragement of a phone call, the the encouragement of getting a card in the mail, the our ability to be able to continue to minister regardless of what it is that we go through, it's always been difficult for me to grasp this idea of somebody going through something difficult in life so they run away from the one thing that has all of the answers. We should be running to Calvary, not away from it. I don't know if we're going to be able to pull off an invitation today, so I'm probably just going to close this. But I will ask you to do this. Close your eyes, bow your head. I want you to spend just a little bit of time with Jesus. And I want you to take every stress point that you have had in life, every difficulty, challenge, struggle, everything that creates an angry mind, an angry heart, anything that breaks your heart, and I want you to think about every promise that Jesus Christ made. He's a promise keeper. And every one of those negative thoughts, those lacks of faith, those fears, those difficulties, those things will be removed by the almighty power of the word of God. And the ultimate power provided through Jesus Christ is death, burial, and resurrection. There may be some points in time where you try to jump in there and defend yourself. Ask for wisdom. God has given us to be empowering individuals who through our relationship with him can have all of the darkness removed from our life. Who are individuals who carry the light 
through the way that we live our lives, the way that we proclaim the gospel message when given the opportunity. You have the ability because it's been given to live life at its fullest. If you're here today, you've never given your life to Christ. I want to encourage you to do so. Talk to me sometime. It don't have to be now. But if you are needing to talk, don't put it off. Talk to me. Believer, my hope and my prayer is that you'll walk out of this place today completely restored. That your spirit will be restored. That all of the things that have been pressing down on you would be lifted off of you through Jesus Christ and what he's done. you need to talk, would you all pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, again, once again, for the opportunity to gather together in your house. And we just ask, Lord, that while we as a church go through a trying time, while we have members who are going through trying times, we just pray that we'd be mindful of the fact that you are the one who provides us with our happiness, that you are the one through what you've already accomplished, has given us all that we could even more ask, more than we could ask for. Lord, we do ask that you would continue to provide peace and comfort to, uh, to the links and the oars and tippies. And Lord, we just pray that you'll continue to glorify yourself in those circumstances. We ask, Lord, again for Madeline Austin's wedding today, that you'll keep a watchful eye on them, that it would be a day that glorifies you through the union that you yourself uh, set in motion. And we'll give you honor, glory, and praise for that as well. Protect us all as we leave this place. Bring us back at the next appointed time. We ask all these things in Jesus Christ, holy and precious name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you have questions about becoming a Christian, prayer requests, or just want to say hello, you can reach us at facebook.com forward slash Highland Southern BC. We hope that this message was encouraging to all of our listeners. Have a blessed week.